Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, fan of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, fan of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, uh, I picked the topic this week and we're going to be talking about PG Stat statements. Let's do it. Good choice. You find this one interesting, finally. The reason for this is I'm also hosting this week a blogging event that was started by, I believe, Ryan Booz, probably amongst others, called PG SQL Friday. So each month somebody hosts this, somebody different, and they pick the topic, and the topic I've chosen for this week was PGSAT statements. So I'm hoping to give our entry as an audio one. I'll, I'll write a blog post as well, but it'd be nice to have an audio entry from us as the podcast. Okay, we count on you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a good choice. Uh, this is extension. It's, it's hard to find any Postgres user who doesn't use it. Yeah, it's a really popular. I mean, we call it an extension, but it's... it. When um, I mean, we've both done the. There was a. There's a really good series of interviews by Andreas or Ads uh, Sherbaum. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this interview series that he does, he asks people, "What's your favourite extension?" And it's not everybody saying this, but the most common answer is Peach Stat Statements. And I think it's got that mix of utility, super useful, but also as it's another one of these contrib modules. Uh, because it comes with Postgres, most people have access to it if they want to use it. Yeah, well, uh, Postgres assessments is a major observability part of Postgres ecosystem, uh, in addition to logs, single log file, actually, right? Auto-explain we discussed last, last year, I think Postgres assessments is much, much more popular. By the way, let's briefly mention that our previous episode about auto-explain was released on Thursday, and it was, you claimed that Heroku doesn't have auto-explain, right? <laughs> but we recorded it on Wednesday, and on the very same day, Heroku released it. It took like 10 plus years, right? Because like, among all those years, uh, they could choose any day, but they choose the, the same day you claimed it doesn't exist. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. And to let listeners in on on kind of what happens behind the scenes we normally record on a tuesday but this week we couldn't um get the we couldn't get a time we could both do until the thursday so we really were recording last minute on the thursday for a release on the friday so i couldn't believe the timings you sent me some history from their i think it's from their github showing that they were working on it a week yeah, before so i could have found out if i'd looked deep enough the proof to decrease our ego and, and say that yeah. it, was not, it was not a reaction it was like independent event but it's a very interesting coincidence. So Heroku has auto-explain, and of course they have PGSAT statements. Yes, and actually a little bit of trivia to link the two. I didn't realize that they were both added in the same release of Postgres, 8.4. Mm, interesting. 2009, I think? Yes, like 2008 was 8.3 when XML data type and functions went to the core, I remember it by by my heart so but the uh, next next year was eight four so super old as well it keeps getting better lots of additions to pg stat statements even in recent years so it's an old extension but one that people keep improving all right we have a lot of disadvantages go on well, we should discuss why it's needed and so on. If you want, start if you want to start from negative parts, we can start from them as well. Like I, I, I don't care. I'm intrigued. For the start, it yeah. doesn't register failing queries. So you, some failing mm -hmm. queries can take a lot of time and resources, consume a lot of resources, but you don't see 
than if you analyze only PGSTAR statements. And this is a big issue because probably it's like a half of your traffic uh, which is failing uh, queries, right? Some, some, some if you're in a disaster. In, ex in extreme yeah. cases, right? But PGSTAR statements tell you it's okay. Yeah, let's start with those then. So any other big limitations or downsides? Yeah, of course. For example, if our listeners check out the latest Postgres hacking uh, recording on Postgres TV. By the way, Postgres TV reached 2,000 subscribers. Not a huge number, but it's growing pretty well. I'm like, thank you. And also our podcast published there, I think, uh, contributed a lot. And so we had a session with Kirk and Andre, as usual, and we wanted to improve performance overhead of pgstat kcache it's very related to performance overhead of pgstat statements because basically it's the same code so pgstat statements has special list of queries in normalized form so-called normalized form i in my materials i quite often call them query groups to highlight that inside those queries normalized queries we can have many different queries with different plans right so i call them like grouped query group so when a new entry needs to be inserted, it needs an exclusive lock on shared memory area for PGSTAR statements or PGSTAR cache. And in, in this case, if some selects are happening concurrently in parallel, those selects hold a shared lock and uh, your insert needs to wait. So for example, imagine we have like 5,000 that's default records in PGSTAR statements and somebody is slowly reading them during, for example, 100 milliseconds. It's quite slow. And while they are reading it, one session, uh, they hold shared log, and any new query, which is not yet known to PGSTAR statements, trying to be inserted, is blocked. And we have like a spike up to 100 milliseconds in latency for that query. It can be any query which is trying to insert. And some, sometimes it's some set command we can discuss it also, also disadvantages. It's called track utility commands. Mm -hmm. uh, set application name, set something like, it's any set, set local. Off by default, right? On by default, I think, no? Oh, okay. We should check. I usually see it from my perspective in client uh, setups. Uh, we, you know, we have many layers of defaults, including cloud defaults f from RDS or so. I usually see it being on and it's an issue okay. uh, exactly because what I explained here. So if you have cases when new entry needs to be inserted quite often to PGSTAR statements, for example, you reset its state, uh, you, you call PGSTAR statements reset every minute, for example, extreme case. You're and right, by the way, it's on by default. Yeah. So if you need to, if you reset it, whole, like it's empty and a lot of new entries need to be written. And all the all them need to lock whole structure, whole PGSA statements content uh, quickly, like for a very short time, but uh, exclusive lock is needed. And if some monitoring is uh, reading all the content often, for example, every 10 seconds, why not? You have a contention issue here at the shared buffers area. PGSA statements have their own shared buffers area, not, not uh, general shared buffers. And there are plans to improve this. So in this case, if like, or for example, if you have a lot of different uh, uh, groups and but PGSTAR statements keep only 5,000, according to some mm -hmm. algorithm, I actually don't know details about, about this algorithm, but uh, some kind of list recently 
views maybe i don't know but it says it gets are you talking about the ones like how does it deallocate or how does it um things drop off it says the least used yeah sometimes yeah. some query is known but it's evicted because there is no yeah. space only five thousand my dot max statements dot max if is mm-hmm. five thousand by default you can mm-hmm. increase it but not more than ten thousand i guess right which is quite almost the same just to x right so it's if query is evicted and needs to be registered again the problem is that registration is synchronous process and uh, when you call some query pgsas atmos does know it and you need to insert like it should be inserted in background asynchronously right with the same backend uh, you have latency spike for your query execution right and in this case this eviction and like back and forth it's also a problem and this can be definitely the case when you for example have track utility in pgsas statements on track utility means all set commands also considered as queries and the problem is that all current postgres versions utility commands are not normalized and if you have a java app i had it in my life a java app which calls set application name to and then session id in each session we do this uh, every time this session id is quite unique it's a new session for several queries in the same session, it will be the same, but we need to set it for each session. And it spams our PGSAS statements content. I saw like 50% of all normalized queries in PGSAS statements, which I call query groups. It was uh, set commands. And in this case, this amplifies the problem of this contention. And I observed it for some e-commerce during Black Friday. It was an interesting case. I was wondering why we have latency spikes up to, it was like up to 500 milliseconds, but every five minutes, but with shift 02, 07, minute 12, minute 17, and so on. And then I recalled, oh, it was me who put some pull, like select from, start from PGS statements remotely to, to have some poor man storage uh, because monitoring was weak. And I implemented this and I shifted be- just because I know like sometimes people have a lot of other cron jobs starting at even time. So I shifted it to two minutes and it helped me re- recognize that this is, it's my, my own script mm-hmm. is doing this. And then I, I reproduced this problem and like, so la- a couple of weeks ago we had this session on Thursday with Andre and Kirk and uh, we implemented like some proposal when new entry is inserted instead of synchronous unconditional insert we try to insert it we make several attempts during like 10 microseconds and if it's failing we give up and just do it next time why not and i propose like i think it's a good idea we discussed it with pgs kcash uh, maintainer there are re- reasons to say that maybe it's not a good idea. So there is ongoing discussions in pgs.kcache repository. But again, uh, the, since the code is very mm, similar, I agree with the point that it should be fixed on in both extensions and pgs.kcache and stat statements. And maybe somehow differently, but the problem problem is uh, quite serious in heavily loaded setups. So current advice is turn track utility off. Makes sense. And this problem goes down. Not not fully disappears, but goes down. Pressure decreases. But good news in Postgres 16, utility commands are normalized by PGSA statements. So it's good. So in set application name to something will become single entry in PGSA statements. 
which is yeah. So there's a commit for this, right? We should probably say that it's not guaranteed that that will be in 16, but it's very, very likely. Yes, yes, yes. It's not huge. Uh, it's not merge, right? So I hope we'll make it to Postgres 16. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So thank you to everyone involved in that. Any uh, you you want more bad things? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Why not? Okay. But, but, well, of course, I, when like sometimes people listening to me say you are Postgres hater, you know. <laughs> you Anybody that knows you knows that's not true. I had it like new audience. Well, when they join, they think I talked so many bad things about Postgres, so I'm a hater. Well, if, if I'm a hater, why why I'm using it eighteen years uh, everywhere? So, yeah, and yeah, it's no. not like you're lo- it's not like you're locked in. But one thing I did want to check quickly: the you mentioned PGStat statements max having at most 10,000. I can't find documentation that suggests differently, but when I go to edit it on a cloud provider, for example, it says the max value is much higher than that. So I'm a bit confused. I might be easily wrong here. And we, sh- we should check source code, of course. Uh, cloud providers can re- sure. restri- restrict additionally. For example, I was checking Cloud SQL documentation yesterday and learned that, for example, they allow you to set shared buffers not more than 60% of memory. Or, uh, and effective cache size not more than 70 or 80 percent i don't remember but sometimes i want more than 100 percent because i want to full Postgres uh, to make planner work as on different size machine so cloud providers can can add additional uh, limits but here i would check uh, source code and maybe it's mm-hmm. more than 10,000, right cool interesting question what's the overhead of uh, having bigger number here yeah i was wondering whether that would cause more contention or less but actually contention depends on workload yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, of course, on, on this uh, number as well, but on workload, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> when PGSA statements appeared, as you mentioned, 14 years ago, right? It was like a relief because uh, before that we used only logs, pgfuin yeah. and then pgbadger, understanding that it's a tip of iceberg because only above some log migration statement, like one second or 500 milliseconds, uh, definitely tip of iceberg. PGSA statements register everything, uh, almost everything we discussed. It's limited for normalized number of normalized queries, but for each query which is already known to PGSA statements, it will increment metrics. Like in aggregated. uh, Right, in in a reliable way, cumulatively, Mm -hmm. in a reliable way. Yes, so that's, that's great. Unlike if you... Uh, use log-based query analysis, you always have the problem that uh, you see only the tip of iceberg in terms of duration. You, or you see only only slow queries, but fast queries can be an issue many, in many cases. In yeah, exactly. Cases. That probably leads us nicely into the times that it's most useful. So like one of the one of the times I see it used most. No, 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 no. We talk about bad things. It's okay. It, it was it was small small break. Uh, so so bad thing is that overhead is significant from producer statements. It's noticeable. So have you seen any? Like I've looked for benchmarks on this kind of thing. I've seen numbers mentioned, but very very little data behind it. There is common consensus. It's kind yeah. of seven percent, but it's so like dumb number out of nowhere so it it, it depends on many things it's hard to measure it's worth measuring for particular system Mm -hmm. particular workload and 
with it, without it. But worth mentioning that if you created extension, if you actually added it to Sharper libraries and then create extensions global for all logical databases inside this yeah. cluster, right? I guess it's some kind of several percent. But that's it. Like I've heard a lot of single digit percent. I've heard, I've heard probably more commonly I've heard 2% as like a rough like estimate, but I guess there's no point throwing out this. Well, we didn't even talk numbers when we talked auto explained, did we really? But people need to measure it themselves. But I wish there was a bit more, like a few more publicly available benchmarks on this kind of right. thing. Also, also track timing enabled versus not enabled, right? Because previous assessments also can have it or can skip it. Are we talking track IO timing in this right. case? Track IO timing. Yeah. Track IO timing, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so well that's a recent addition, I think. Was that P- was that Postgres fifteen, I think, only or only a recent maybe maybe a couple more versions back than that. But it's good that we can have that now in Peach Stat statements, but there is warning in the in the docs again that that does cause additional overhead. Right. So this, I think it makes sense to measure overhead only for particular systems, but in general we can claim quite reliably that it should be below 50%. And I personally would pay up to 10%, right? But there was good discussion about overhead from observability tools recently Mm -hmm. uh, uh, raised by Jeremy Schneider mentioning uh, Oracle experts and Tom Kate, I guess, and so on, saying that this overhead is negative because even if you see it as positive, you optimized queries using this tool. So you're already on very po- good side, right? So ne- yeah. it's negative overhead. It's interesting like point. Answer. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. point. So you, if you analyze whole picture, having this tool is beneficial and you can improve your performance using it, especially yeah. if you do it routinely. But speaking of bad sides of producer statements, again, uh, lack of uh, visibility of ongoing queries as well. Yeah, things need to have completed. Right. And uh, also lack of plans. And planning is off by default, right? Like we don't even get planning time. Even in the newer versions that do include planning time, which is not that many, it's off by default. So even the, the I use Cloud SQL at the moment and they don't even let you turn it on. So it's quite difficult to get planning information. Yep. But I'm talking about the, this fact that a single normalized query can be can contain many cases of, like if you sure. simple example when I usually use select star from some table where column equals one or equals two. For example, if 99% of values is one and only 1% is two, in one case you will get sequential scan and in another case you will get index scan. It's two different cases, very different in terms of performance. And PGSA statements doesn't allow you to distinguish them at all. No, good point. So yeah, no example plans. Lack of weight event analysis, because it could could be combined with PGSA statements. For example, if you have a normalized query, you understand that, like if you could build some pie chart understanding when we spend time. Okay, we have total time, mean time, mean max time. We, we, we have this. With some of the building blocks. Yeah, but yeah, like query query identifier as well now. Right. In some cases, uh, we lose time doing some actual work. It can be CPU, it can be I/O. In some cases, we just wait being blocked by other sessions. True. Uh, in this case, CPU is free; it can do something else, right? But where is this info? Right. We don't have this info at all. 
There are many other things, and I know Percona tried to address it with pg.monitor. It's quite good and worth looking, but their overhead I would definitely measure, as we discussed recently. I would definitely measure and understand before going to production, but it's an interesting uh, alternative to pg.sa statements. If they give you even more ability to tune queries, maybe it's even more negative as an overhead. <laughs> maybe, yeah. It, it, has a, it addresses many things like uh, erroring queries and so on. By the way, the biggest disadvantage, in my opinion, is the lack of examples. Until uh, very f- fresh Postgres versions, it was very hard to um, find examples in logs and so on. Uh, like we have, we have some obviously not good normalized query in pgsatatums. We see it's slow or it's too frequent. Okay, what are our examples? Especially, okay, if it's frequent, probably we can find... Oh, by the way, how to find the proper place in code. It's also, like, when I call disadvantage, uh, it it doesn't mean something is bad. Something is maybe not just yet developed yet. There is opportunity here. So, for example, we found some query which is not frequent, but just slow in terms of average latency. We need to mm-hmm. troubleshoot it. We need to run explain lies to perform my, my micro uh, optimization, single query optimization, right? And in this case, uh, we need examples because, uh, as, as mentioned, uh, parameters define concrete query. Like we need example uh, to work with, and yeah. uh, and here we can go either to we can, I, I like we can go to logs, we can go to pgstat activity, or we can use a modern approach with eBPF or something like. Or like sometimes, sometimes developers are familiar enough with their application to know what uh, what the kind of parameters that could be uh, inserted would be so like if it's a if it's like a slow dashboard that's been loading in their SAS yeah. application and they know that like an account id is likely to be of this format and then you've got you know probably a date range or some, something you could like know that maybe the how to reproduce available exactly well so. but it's it happens and it's, it's great but in general case it's very un, it's not uncommon to to hear it works for me well yeah, right? because uh, different parameters were checked, and we like uh, for ninety percent of cases for this query we have good uh, situation, but for ten percent we have very bad situation. And we need those examples. And uh, good news is that uh, in modern Postgres versions, uh, fifteen, future sixteen, maybe even fourteen, uh, previous one, they had uh, connection between uh, observability parts. Uh, Pgsa statements has query ID for ages. Always, it had it always. Uh, if we consider currently supported Postgres versions, all PGS statements have a query ID. Some weird number, sometimes negative. And logs also have the same num- number in modern Postgres. And also PGS activity. And PGS activity is, is my favorite choice because logs are usually above only log mean duration statement. It can be also auto explain. By the way, auto explain doesn't log uh, query ID, right? So no, can, I think again it's committed to sixteen, but not. Oh, um, great, great, great! Yeah. So we uh, log slow log. Pro, sometimes it's easier way, but uh, in many cases uh, we have a case, but uh, we don't have good examples because none of them reached log min duration statement. In this case, we go to pitch activity, and then we bump into the problem our limit track activity size. I don't remember always like it's uh, one thousand twenty twenty four, and uh, to change we need the restart. And in serious setup, it's <clears throat> a big ask. Well, it's you need to like there is trade off because uh, restart mm-hmm. and 
yeah so uh, it's worth increasing this track size to 10,000 or something because this will allow you to collect samples of queries easier and with query ID you join this data with PGSA statements data and understand the whole picture is this according to PGSA statements and here are the examples even fast examples we will capture them just with some sampling it's easy nice. right yeah so this is this is also like kind of disadvantage. It requires uh, some efforts to benefit from epistemic statements because otherwise it's just a building block. Because you cannot use it directly without any dance around it. Because uh, you you need examples. You also need snapshots because it's okay. We have cumulative metrics. They are growing, growing, growing. But it doesn't remember when it was reset. By the way, it was also added to sixteen, right? Reset time for epistemic statements or no? I remember the patch, but I don't know, uh, was it committed or no? What do you mean specifically? If you reset PGSA statements and then you have beautiful numbers, which you know they are like kind of can be analyzed. You don't need two snapshots. You can work with single snapshot if you know the reset time. For example, you reset at one hour ago. Yeah. You have snapshot. You know these numbers are observation during one hour. You have averages, right? But uh, if reset time uh, is not remembered, unlike uh, regular statistics, uh, pgstat reset, uh, you can check it in pgstat database when it was reset. But for pgstat statements, you cannot check. That's why I always There's reset. There's a view, isn't there? Isn't it like pgstat statements info or something? It will sh- Maybe in some new versions. In uh, current versions, it's not possible to understand. I always reset statistics. If I do it, I, do, I try to do it uh, less often according to because of the problems we discussed earlier but if i do it i usually reset statistics uh, both database statistics and producer statements and uh, that's what, how i know the number or deal with two snapshots yeah added in postgres 14 you can now see oh i'm i'm lagging info. good so it's in 14 and 15 then okay good good yeah it contains two things one is when, like a timestamp in UTC of when the last reset was. And the other is about reallocation. So like how many, you can see how many queries have been kicked out or how many Evict- query groups yeah, evicted from that. Let's say you've That's got 5,000. Yeah. I missed that. I don't have six. I still don't have very good uh, examples or even 14. I work, work in production systems. I observe myself. I work, work with older versions. So that's how I missed it. Okay, that's great news. Yeah, thank you for correcting me. So anyway, we need to deal with two snapshots. And here we come like, okay, it's a building block. And uh, if you want to work with it, you can work directly. It requires a, additional effort. But it, it would be good if all uh, monitoring systems supported it quite well. But they, there is no, like almost none of them supported well. For example, consider calls and total time. We need all aspects of it, all dimensions. We need to take total time and understand like every second, how many seconds we spend to process queries. Assuming that we know all of them, of course, 5,000 by default, not, not all of them, but if you disable set, by the way, set can also, if you disable set, you exclude it from consideration and also not good, right? So obse- I mean, in terms of observer effect, but if like seconds per seconds, this is a beautiful metric. If you forget about this contention in terms of transactions and blocking issues, it would roughly give you an understanding how many cores you need right, to process this workload. If it's like 
two seconds per second okay two cores would be probably enough but we will probably have 100 percent it's very very rough uh, approach mm-hmm. but it gives you understanding of your workload and the same for with buffers block numbers shared block uh, heat red uh, temporary blocks and so on local blocks we need to divide them we need to deal with two actually three maybe derivatives here first is divide ev- all metrics by calls this give you average for individual query total time by calls will be average time we have it anyway and all blocks by call will be on average each, each call each query takes this number of blocks hit this number of blocks read and and, and so on are your timing as well so we can divide by calls and also we can divide it by duration between uh, di- distance time distance between two snapshots so that monitoring system should do it and this also super needed and for example data data doc provides some of them but not all of them and in some cases i had uh, like why i don't have it here uh, and I, i'm speaking not about uh, dashboards final final dashboards in datadoc but in the uh, metrics they collect they don't collect this and you cannot calculate it yourself so there is lack of info they don't collect everything this is the problem yeah. and if you check out all other monitoring systems this problem also mm, the same and once you already like if you analyze yesterday for example if you don't have this data you cannot understand what's happening and sometimes the reason this is a problem right is because if we got direct access to pgstat statements right but we only have it since the last reset we only have yeah, it's, the current snapshots information of course we need uh, to, to see spikes when it start, mm-hmm. incident started incident ended and, and uh, inside it we, i would like to have all uh, metrics pgstat statements has uh, divided by calls and divided by time diff mm-hmm. and uh, th- i mentioned third one it's percentage so it's it's interesting to understand for for analysis like top down analysis you you want to understand what which query is very data intensive in terms of uh, hits and and, and re- reads of uh, and shared buffers uh, I would combine them divide and see or maybe hits and reads separately also good because sometimes I had incidents when reads was not a problem hits was a problem and it was not collected by monitoring not presented but uh, eventually we realized that if it was we would uh, understand the root cause analysis much better much faster because some query was dealing with data fully cached in the buffer pool but it was so intensive not only because of frequency calls but but just like because a single query reading so many gigabytes Mm -hmm. from the buffer pool and it was not visible because nobody expected that blocks hit should be present in monitoring as well it was a surprise and uh, this this is like i i would take everything divide i know it there's a price for, for in terms of monitoring uh, storage and so on but it it's worth it because we already spent some percent of overhead in postgres itself to collect this data yeah. please deliver it to monitoring right so currently i see monitoring uh, they fail to do this job pretty well and uh, some highlight in in, in pgcon i will have tutorial three hours tutorial we will talk about uh, various aspects of postgres monitoring and this is a very big aspect of it how we work with pgsa statements and similar extensions and how we present data which metrics we need and which derived metrics we need as well right nice am i allowed to talk about any positives yet okay okay so let's about talk about positives uh mm-hmm. 100 you should install it it's super useful 
despite of all downsides. Yeah, I, I imagine there's an exception to this, but for most applications I've seen, they would benefit from having this information. A few times I've tried to help people and they didn't have it installed or like the hosting provider didn't put it on by default. And we were kind of hamstrung until they turned it on for a while. It's very difficult to start to get an idea of what's going on without this kind of information, without any logging. So it helped, even if you aren't doing anything with it currently, in the future, if you need help from somebody, having it on can, can be really beneficial. One thing that you mentioned dividing by number of calls a lot, and I think I see quite a lot of guides, and that's the kind of example query they give, querying PGStat statements, looking at a few things like total execution time and then mean execution time uh, using that calculation and a few other things, but then they order it by mean execution time. And I understand yeah. looking at the slowest queries by average time, but more often I see people that want to look at queries by total load. So they're looking to reduce total load on the database more than the, the average, you know, the, the worst performing in terms of length of query. So I, I prefer to start looking at that ordered by total time. And that goes to what you were saying about looking at even fast, fast in inverted commas queries that are executed a huge number of times. Well, yeah, you know, I have uh, my my approach here. I think we need to order by everything almost. <laughs> I, I like we had, we need to have different tables, and if we, for example, if our monitoring also limits uh, the entries not for like five five thousand, it cannot handle all of them, and it needs to. Uh, limit them we probably need to, to have a few lists so for example if we limit 100 or 500 we need to have several uh, ordering uh, approaches and of course total time versus mean time is the most popular but also there are io metrics order yep. by hits plus reads or order by hits or order by reads uh, two lists but uh, speaking of uh, total time versus mean time uh, in order by uh, i have simple approach here if you care mo more about humans, you should uh, order by mean time. If you care more about machines, computers, you need to order by total time. Because optimization goal, optimization goal, if you target to, to reduce uh, resource utilization, you order by total time. Uh, because total time, it's like final metric. Of course, there are, again, there are some lock issues, blocking issues, uh, which can increase total time. And unfortunately, we cannot distinguish if we had a wait event in four in PGSA statements combined easily, right? We could say, okay, we order by total time, but we exclude a lock. We don't want to, because lock, it's like some application logic problem. It's yeah. not a resource uh, um, utilization, but a rough approach is like order by total time and optimize all queries which exceed 20% of that. Uh, calculate percentage. If it's if some query group, normalized query, exceeds 20%, good candidate for optimization if you care about machines. Probably or users cost. won't notice. Cost, yes. Uh, well, yes, if you, want, if you reduce uh, if you reduce utilization, it sometimes also converts to dollar. Well, dollar uh, and and users care if like a system is overloaded, like that's affecting everybody on the system, for example. Hi, on edge case, if it's uh, saturated, but if it's 20% uh, yeah. CPU and you order by total time, you reduce it and maybe the people won't notice because maybe it's yeah. query which uh, executes below one millisecond on average, but it's so frequent, right? It's super fast query, already well optimized, but it's it's called thousand times per, per second. I had many cases, like for example, select one. 
And you see 30% of total time is this select one. What? Like, how, like, why do we need it? We pay for it, right? But users don't see it because it's just one millisecond or even below one millisecond. If to select one, it should be like some dozens of microseconds probably. But uh, if you care about humans or you have not OTP but some analytical system and again users, it means, right? Uh, we need to order by mean time, average time and find users suffer due to those queries and if we optimize them probably our computers won't notice because for example it's responsible for less than one percent of uh, total time but it's still in terms of mean time it's very bad like above one second users need need to wait or analytical system like one minute <laughs> like it's very low resource uh, usage but very bad user experience so resource usage is total time ux is user experience is mean time this is my rule it's quite mm -hmm. easy to explain and people usually understand it i like it but let's not forget about buffers right our, our motto yeah. is buffers first uh, sometimes not maybe here if like but if if you think okay total time is big or mean time is big what's happening here we should take uh, shared block hits hit and red and then divide either by uh, or either, like we can take it as a whole between two snapshots and that's it if we care about total time or we need to divide by calls if we if we care about mean time and we understand okay mean time is huge but because on average single query deals with gigabytes of data and that's problem probably it's a select count or select sum or something aggregates right let's think about how yeah. to improve it yeah, so you can look at, it's really good for splitting out all of the different buffer numbers. So I think there's about 10 different types that you get through. Uh, the same ones you see in in explain, explain analyze buffers, you get via pgstat statements. And it could be used, like we could look at temp blocks, for example. We could look at which queries most often or using the most temporary yeah. space. Like what, and what do they use on average? Like that kind of thing could be really handy. The other thing that they've added that isn't buffers related, but I think I didn't realize they had and could be really useful for certain, like wall. one certain case. Well, will they do add? Yeah. There, but I was going to say just in time compilation statistics. I've seen quite a lot of people considering upping the cost limits for that or or turning it off completely. But this would uh, be my a really advice good way is of, to turn it off completely for LTP. That's it. Yes, but it's quite cool that you can look in PageSet statements and see which queries are using it and which ones by average or like you can so you could you yeah. can order by that for that ad hoc analysis data driven so, decision versus yeah. just listening to me right 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes sense definitely but speaking of uh, hits and reads and so on if you divide by calls you have average it's super important to have average for hits and reads it makes sense also for like temporary files but temporary files sometimes we just quickly realize we need to increase work mem that's it but like but if you think about like sometimes yes it makes sense and shared buffers is the most interesting and uh, this is like okay our average is this all gigabytes for single query not not good but if for for total time centric analysis for machines right if we consider hits we again like we can divide by duration number of seconds between two snapshots and we can imagine this flow okay this query group is responsible for like okay one gigabyte per second or 100 gigabytes per second uh, dealing with shared buffers and 100 megabytes per second of dealing with underlying page cache because reads is maybe not only disk it's page cache as well mm -hmm. depending on our on its size and we, we don't have visibility without just cache to, to this and this is super good for 
engineers to understand these these streams. Like, okay, this generates this I/O and this I/O, even without timing, it's already very super useful. Number of buffers per second. Especially in a world where you're seeing, we're seeing, you know, providers that charge by that. You know, if that's the metric that you're paying. Over, for, Aurora, for example. For example right? Yeah, Aurora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, but nice wall, wall numbers, it was mm-hmm. added to Postgres 13, maybe, or 14, 13, I think, uh, both to explain, analyze, and in 13, and both to explain, analyze, and precision statements, and it's super good. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you have uh, terabytes of data generated of wall per day, you enable compression to reduce it, it's already better, but still a lot. It's uh, like it's increasing. Your backups are growing. Uh, replication needs to transfer all of these things. Probably it's because of index amplification. Probably because of something else. And PGS assessments can show you which queries are responsible. For example, twenty percent of all of all generation among all queries. Of course, actually, create index also will go there, right? It will be registered by PGS assessments. Create index. Or re-index yes. concurrent. If you have, is it the utility? Would it be under utility commands? Uh, no, I think it's DDL. It's not utility. Cool. Utility is yeah, yeah, right. Yes, and uh, AutoVacuum won't show up here. AutoVacuum also generates some wall processing tables and indexes. It generates some wall, but we won't see it in PGS statements. But normal SQL, including DDL or, or index maintenance, like recreated re-index concurrently, we will see them, and we can. Again, uh, understand percentage for each query group, for each normalized query, and uh, make conclusions. Okay, our index maintenance generates a lot of wall, but we move it to weekend, so we are fine. Or these inserts together, like a whole group of inserts, it's responsible responsible for, I don't know, maybe not inserts, updates. Updates, for example, are responsible for 10% of all, all wall generation, or 20%, and we check we probably drop or adjust some index we make these updates hot uh, reduce index amplification problem or maybe drop some indexes uh, sometimes unused redundant we had episode about index maintenance it's important yeah. and in this case less wall will be generated and we will be better in terms of replication backups and so on less pressure to those subsystems Right. I feel like we've gone into quite a lot of detail here. I'm glad we have, but I feel like we might be coming to the end. What do you yeah, I'm, I'm just showing, like I'm ju- just illustrating why everyone should enable, in, uh, create extension PGS statements in, in, yeah. just, in just one database. It's not needed to install it everywhere. It's a single thing, actually. You can install it to Postgres database, for example, and work with super user, and you will see everything from all users, all databases, all, all queries globally. And there's, oh. there's a chance on on some cloud providers it's on by default, so you might not have to, but worth checking. Well, yeah, RDS super user and so on. Yeah, uh, by the way, also interesting dimensions, DBID or database and user, like which user, if we have like segregation, well, we, if we split, like divide and conquer, these parts of our application use this DB role, DB user. Humans, they have their own database users. So we can perform analysis and we have segmentation here. We can perform analysis and understand who is using what. Who is yeah. generating, like, uh, is responsible for total time and uh, IO metrics and so on. And also a super interesting case, like, okay, we found some query. We, we talk about performance analysis starting from database point, but database is just the heart of any system, right? 
We have also applications, humans, many things. And sometimes we need to trace and understand which code is, is doing this. And this is a super hard topic. Because, yeah. because for example, if you're that data dog, it has application performance monitoring, APM. So if you analyze performance from application side, you can trace and say, this is the code generating it. You can also have network latency involved in, in latency analyzed. But it's pros and it's cons as well. Like it's, it's beneficial because you, for application, you have final latency, right? Including network around trip time. But you cannot distinguish how much of those milliseconds or microseconds is our network. From Postgres, you don't see this like network latency and you cannot trace to uh, code unless you make some tricks. For example, sometimes people start putting some comments. For example, for Ruby, there is a library called Marginalia. It can help you trace. It can be URL, for example, to put to comments. And uh, PGSTAR statements will ignore comments. It will uh, use right. first comment, keep it, but all subsequent will be ignored in the normalization process. And this, is, this can be used. So you put some comment here and you can trace then. Okay, this query group is from that parts of my application. The, that URL or this module or this file. You need to invent some, some way and uh, it, it requires some efforts. There is interesting uh, effort from some Rush, Russian developers for PGSTAR Kcache originally. So the, the idea to tag. So you have some dim dimensions uh, for PGSTAR Kcache entries. You tag like, for example, this is application module equals this. And uh, you start distinguishing different calls and metrics, and you can uh, have specialized segmentation depending on your application logic. I think it would be good to consider a similar improvement for PGSA statements as well. Because this tracing problem, it's, it's sometimes we lose, in, like database experts, we lose for, with our tooling, we lose to application tooling, this APM stuff. They say, you know, it's more convenient for us because we see which code exactly generated it. With your PGS statements, we cannot do it. Okay, I'm talking about downsides again. <laughs> right. I think time to call it a day. That was really helpful. Thank you so much, Nikolai. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for uh, this topic. Uh, it, you see, it resonates me inside me a lot because uh, yes, I spent many years working in this area. I hope it was helpful. Good luck with your blog. Thank you. Okay. Have good. a good one. See you, you next too. week. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye.